She was brusque and rough and ready, perhaps sometimes more like an old sailor than an old nursemaid, with the salt water stinging her eyes and causing her eyes to water, streaking her face with silver lights, her high-boned cheeks which quivered in the wind. Her face changed from rose to blue to green to gold to silver, seeming to reflect the changing colors of the atmosphere, for her skin was sensitive to light as were her eyes, so that perhaps the small things weren't visible to her as were those phantoms painted on the air. She was like a strong headwind, strong in all her movements, even when the wind blurred the atmosphere with the demonic whirlings of crystal sands, so that often the day seemed lighted only by the lights of the invisible stars, as in the nights when the stars were like pinheads lost in the pincushions of the clouds. Or this planet itself might be the invisible star, the minuscule particle, the star not visible to others, and she was vigorous and plain of courage, clear in her common sense, no matter if the sky was murky, the winds blowing most heavily where she walked, it would seem, and she liked to walk in the heavy winds, often in the eye of the wind, the teeth of the wind, never amazed by the wind's furies, just keeping her head well covered, yet wading through waters coming up to her knees, wading through the long whispers of the many-tongued surf or the salt pools left by the receding tides, and still whirling, never protecting herself from the honest elements, the sudden sunlight breaking through pearl-colored fog and the blowing surf suddenly splashing, as if with the wings of birds and the wind making the far waters glint with reflected lights, or protecting herself only so far as would be necessary. For man had dwelled too far away from nature, and these immediate things, sunlight and surf and wind, and the best tonic she knew was physical exercise, that the natural blood might flow into one's cheek, that one might breathe the heady and the stinging air, that one might sleep without the necessity of a drug or an illusion between her and the world, or even the guardian angels who had certainly never guarded her, Miss Mackintosh, my darling. She could not endure to be shut away under any narrow roof where she would be in close proximity with others, even my mother's sea-blackened house, vast and almost empty with many rooms which had not been visited for years, and many roofs broken by skylights of many-colored glass, and many glass towers radiant with light after the sunset had departed, and many darkened towers was probably too small for her. She was always out of doors as much as possible, being in favor of exposing oneself to the natural climate, which might be very different from the climate of my mother's house, the spiritual climate, the great snowstorms blowing, the hailstones falling in a candle-lighted room where the lace curtains were drifting in the summer breeze. Miss Mackintosh preferring the blows of the winds which asked no questions of man, the blows of the exhausted waves, the fogs coming in or the burning sunlight, for she was no hothouse flower, certainly, and no one who required a roof, not even a roof which she had built, not even a roof of the clouds, no empty dreamer who would sleep in her narrow coffin and yet dream that she was walking. If she dreamed, she would dream that she was running. Even in her dream life, she would certainly be an active woman. But she was too busy to dream. It was a fact. She was always running along the beach, chasing a red ball. Sometimes the ball would chase her. Sometimes she would throw a pebble or a stick into the departing tide as if she were trying to placate it for something. 
She was always walking out of doors, even in the inclement weather when others might seek shelter, when tramps crept into doorways, when the rain-soaked seabird sought shelter under the overhanging rocks in the sea-swept garden, or under the hulls of stranded ships with the moss growing over their prows, or under the palings of rotted beach-walks or old wharves. Even when the rain pouring like a deluge shot with gleamings of burning fire, or through furious snowstorms whitening the sand with white patches, though never the darkening waters, taking her constitutional, the best thing that one might ever take in this brief life, it was her candid opinion, and nothing about her should amaze these angels of death, or cause them to lose their feathers or their minds, nor should she be amazed by them. Her stout black umbrella, uplifted above her well-protected head, in the fine weather when the sunlight danced like prisms on the waters, or rolling pea-super, or sudden squalls of rain making a music on its roof, bugling roof, her umbrella folded only in the heaviest winds, blowing her athwart or darkest rains which, forever falling, made another sea of earth. And then her umbrella was her sword, though it had been her shield against these adversaries she could not see. Her black umbrella billowing before her eyes and blotting out visibility as she moved like a shadow through silver-lighted rains and fogs. Her perfectly marceled hair protected by a waterproof hat pinned under her chin, or numerous oilskin wrappings, or even a shroud of canvas. Her large feet protected by coarse-ribbed woolen stockings and faded plaid golf socks and flapping sea boots, which made a soughing sound like oars, and might sometimes be waterlogged, as, wearing her salt-streaked mackintosh of almost faded plaids, buttoned only at her chin, she waded through a wading surf where the seagulls waited, seeming to know her, the surf blowing against her red cheeks as the sunset streaked the waters with a path of gold, her body bent by many winds to this angularity and sometimes she would seem to be searching through the waves at the shore's edge, searching for something she had not lost and had not found. In the last of the evening light under the great cloud puffs fading, in the last of the evening light as the seagull settled like snowdrifts upon the rocks or upon the life-sized wooden chessmen, upon the broken marble statues, dark spruce trees, the pagodas floated by standing water, the hull of an old fishing boat swept up, the rotted masts and canvas sails. She walked her certain way along the crescent beach, stepping at times through uncertain surf the color of the pearl moon half embedded in a cloud the color of the rain lilies. And in the first streaks of the tentative light breaking through clouds, and in the blazing noon which colored the sea like fire, and she would never spare herself another effort in the right direction, and she could not be induced by any example but her own. It had been her plain observation, made long ago, that useful work for the benefit of others and strenuous physical exercise and self-forgetfulness prolonged one's useful life on this old terra firma, which was certainly no cloud, <clears throat> and she would never see necessity for any other existence but this which had its beginning and its end. Nor could she have deceived herself by all these idle dreams of all these vagrant dreamers. Nor could she have been happy had these dreams been realized, partially or fully realized, had they come true, truer than truth. Had everything been according to the thoughts of the irresponsible dreamer, for she would still have been, though the whole world should suddenly change and get itself off on a new foot, her sensible self with her mind unclouded and her mind unconfused. She would have held to her usual ways in spite 
of great change, perhaps because of all other things changing around her. It was surely best, according to her way of thinking, never to indulge oneself with somnolent or wakeful dreams of those things which the conditions of this mortal frame could not simply provide. For the deprivations were always and would always be the deprivations, no matter what they might seem or by what means they were concealed, and one should be clearly honest, even though plain. One should mind his own knitting, his own cooking, his own household duties, even though he had no house. One should learn to build a fire upon the beach, perhaps a signal fire for some poor sailor, sailor clinging to a life raft and searching the darkening waters and not knowing where the land was until he saw this fire or the gleamings of the embers as of the ember stars like ashes in the wind. Life was made up in short of the necessary deprivations, even at best, the sorrows we did not create those things God in his haste had forgotten, and we should create no others to take their place, and we should mind our own business, making just such little improvements as we possibly could, but no more, and being no more than we were upon this old earth, which was quite plain, bare, and simple, and unadorned.